Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I was watching it actually from a bar in St. Louis talking to Bosnian soccer players while eating a cheeseburger. (laughs) It was actually very entertaining. And Um, how was the cheeseburger? It was actually really good. I'm really hungry right now. Cheese curds. uh, It was just very cheesy, very good. (laughs) Very cheesy and good, just like you, buddy. Yeah, well. (laughs) You didn't get much argument there, man. Anything to shake this, but I'm in my football team's got me drinking. Back at it again with another shade of blue. My name is Cody Bradley. I'm here with our full squad, Thad Bell, Robert Russert, and David Greenwald. And we are joined via Zoom by Nate Bucati. Nate, what is going on? Thanks for joining. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me. That's an honor to be on the show. We're recording here Monday night after a, a very exciting weekend. Sporting one, the current one. KU is in the final four, and it was all topped off by the by the Oscars at the end. It was just so much <laughs> happened this weekend. I loved it. The Yanks, the Yanks are all but qualified. It was a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, and I would say for me, um, the the Yanks performance is the most important out of all those. Let's just start right there. We'll talk about the Sporting KC game. And uh, maybe a little bit of the current, and we'll talk about the game this weekend as well. But I do. We got we got Nate here. I know Nate is a big a big Yanks fan. He's a member of the American Outlaws, at least in heart. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about the Yanks because I'm still riding high, five to one win. So uh, yeah, Nate, where are you at with this team at the moment? Yeah. So I was uh, I was a nervous wreck, honestly, before the Mexico game. Yeah. Not- not because I don't believe in this group, um, actually almost in a weird way, because I do. Um, I personally think this 
five-year window that's in front of us is the most important five-year window in the history of American soccer, which is saying something because obviously that window that Peter Vermees was a part of in 90, getting qualified for the World Cup that was going to come here mm-hmm. in 94 was probably the most important up until this point because we wouldn't all be sitting here talking about Major League Soccer maybe without all of that, right? Like Absolutely. without that World Cup in the U.S., I, I don't know that MLS ever even happens. So that was really important. But, you know, standing on the shoulders of that, the thing that hurt me the most out of everything with the with our failure to qualify last World Cup cycle was it 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 look I look at it this way. As we're we're all here in the group of American soccer fans. And we're not going anywhere, right? Like no matter what failures happen with the national team, no matter if the current and sporting KC win or lose, we're 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 all screwed. We're in, right? <laughs> like we're we're cheering for this thing no matter what because we love the game. But I think most of us want to see we, – we, we love it so much that we want um, more Americans to join, join in with us and, uh, and celebrate soccer all the time, not just when the World Cup is around and when the U.S. is involved. But the reality of the situation is that the vast majority of Americans will not pay attention – to this sport or this national team unless it's in the world cup and unless the U S is there. And so while those of us that are all diehards and have been paying attention knew that there was this wave of talent coming and that the, the, and those of us that watch major league soccer know that major league soccer, I believe has a huge uh, role to play in that because of the way they have overhauled, their player development with sporting Kansas city and FC Dallas, and maybe the Philadelphia union teams like that at the forefront of it. Um, I think when, when, when they failed to qualify for the world cup last time, that allowed everybody who's not a soccer fan in this country to claim, see, they've been saying forever that this sport's going to grow here, that we're going to get better and they still suck. And that's not true. Like the, 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 the wave of talent was, was coming already at that point. It just wasn't there yet. And now I'm giving you a really long answer here, guys. I love Sorry. all of it. <laughs> um, now the talent is here. More is coming. And the World Cup is going to be in our country when that talent is most primed to really put itself on display and do some things. But the best way to really build up to that is for this group of kids to make this World Cup and make some noise at this World Cup, which I personally believe they're going to do. So because of all that and the stakes at play, I was just more nervous about the, the, the magnitude of the moment. You know, the, the if it doesn't go right, if disaster happens, it will be such a massive opportunity lost. Um, that that part was on my mind, but, and Daniel Sperry can back me up on this. We were talking in the hallway Mm -hmm. um, after the sporting game against RSL. And I said, you know, after seeing what the kids did down in Mexico, they were going to throttle Panama because these kids, they've shown that this moment's not, they're not as nervous as I am. This moment's not too big for them. Um, These kids are a special group of kids. And, um, they're capable of some great things. So I'm 
I'm over the moon with excitement about this. I think they're going to go down to Costa Rica and take care of business. And I think they're going to go to Qatar. And, and I think that they're going to become the darlings of the world because they're young and exciting and they're going to do some things. So question then, are you going to be more nervous for the draw on Friday than you were for the game against uh, this last night or uh, what? Because <laughs> that draw is going to determine a lot. It, it, you're right. You're right. But you know what? I saw the U.S. survive the group of deaths um, a couple cycles ago right. with some yeah. people that you guys probably know I'm pretty fond of uh, on that team. And uh, so I, I think these kids, I don't, I'm not too worried about it. I, I just think they're, they're, they're showing right now that they're, this, this whole thing isn't too big for them. And uh, yeah, like I, I, obviously we want a favorable draw, but no, I'm not as nervous about it. I just, they got to get there. That's the only thing that I <laughs> Let's make sure we get there, you know? Yeah, don't want to get too far ahead, although I'm pretty confident the that we can not lose by six-plus goals on, <laughs> in Costa Rica. Uh, and so, Nate, you were talking about that there there's a, a portion of people that won't care about or won't watch this team until they make noise in the World Cup. And for the casual fan, I'm fine with that. But as of late, there's you know there's been a lot of talk about kind of a, a toxic environment on U.S. men's national team Twitter. And there just seems to be this faction of people in this country that claim to like soccer. They watch the Premier League. They've got a Premier League team. And that they just have this uh, hatred for this team. It seems like so many Americans like actively root against this team. And wh- why, do you, why do you think that is? Where, where is this faction of people coming here from? Why is U.S. men's national team Twitter so, so toxic? All right, we're about to get Freudian here, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to dig into some psychology because I spent a lot of time thinking about this as a guy who commentates for soccer in America now. Well, I think about it a lot, just arguing with myself, a phantom yeah. other person in my head. I argue with them regularly. Which is I mean, I mean, look, U.S. soccer Twitter is one of the worst places. It really is. Yeah. And I my, don't know why. Well, I, I, here's, here's my theory on this. The way the sport is perceived in this country is that it is not our game, right? The traditional American sports were invented here and have been dominated here forever to the point where we literally call our domestic competition world championships, right? Right, Like, you know, you win the World Series. Pretty impressive that a North American team has won the World Series every year for a world (laughs) event, right? But that's how we view it. And that's and, and anybody that wins the Super Bowl won a world championship. We're champions. You know, that's that's the way we view it. It's it's those games are our games and nobody else really has. Them. So soccer is not our game. We didn't invent it. We don't call it by the right name. <laughs> We've never <laughs> dominated at it. And so it's not ours. It's the world's game. And <clears throat> I think that those of us in America that are and I think that for a huge portion of Americans, that's why they don't like it. Screw that sport. It's not ours. It's the rest of the world. And we don't care about the rest of the world. We care about America. I think for those of us that love soccer, I think it's actually one of the things we like about it. I will tell you exactly. it's one of the things that you need to the sport 
was it is a global game. And I do find the world to be a fascinating place. And I think it's cool to see teams from South America and the sensibilities that they bring to the table versus teams from Eastern Europe and Western Europe and, and all those different things and the different ways that their cultures play out on a soccer field. I, I was drawn to that. I want to be a part of that. So I think that um, even those of us that are fans of soccer are <clears throat> almost still see it as not our game in this weird kind of uh, duality that we have where we love the game and we want to be a part of it, but we almost think we're not worthy of it. Um, you know, and so we have to bring, you know, like when I was a kid growing up, all the coaches that I was around had a foreign accent because it was <laughs> yeah. almost like there's no possible way you could know enough about soccer to coach it unless you were from somewhere else. Right. And let's be honest, most of the broadcasters that we've watched put, you know, announcing soccer growing up have a foreign accent. It's like, well, this guy couldn't possibly know enough about the game to, to do the play by play for it because he's not, he's, he's American. You know, he couldn't have grown up with the sport. And, and, and so I do think that there is this kind of, well, those guys playing, I mean, we, we, this is the running joke all the time, right? Well, that guy plays in Europe. He must be good. Mm-hmm. That guy plays in major league soccer. He must not be good. And there's this like infighting those of us that do love MLS and do believe it's a league worthy of consideration that continues to get better. Think, you know what? Actually, there are really good players playing in this league now. And are there better leagues in the world? Of course. But does every league in Europe stand head and shoulders above MLS to me that's an overly simplistic view and it's a foolish one Mm -hmm. you know just because you're scoring for example a lot of goals in Switzerland doesn't mean that you're a better player than someone that's scoring a lot of goals in major league soccer and so I that's that's a long answer to your question but I do think that's kind of the root of it a little bit to sum it up to sum it up basically you just said they don't like it because we're not the best at it Yeah, something like that. But there's also this implication that if it's American, it must not be authentic enough. It must not be good enough. Mm. And here I'm watching some great young. And I look, I want, I, I would love it if every player for the U.S. men's national team was playing at a Champions League uh, final four team. You know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, Chelsea, all that. And I love the fact that we have a bunch of young players that are playing at clubs like that. But I also think there is space on that team for guys that are tearing it up in Major League Soccer, and I think they're proving that right now. Mine, mine is honestly more cynical than that. It's these people that I think they they just they started playing FIFA. They never they didn't start soccer. They from MLS. They started playing FIFA. They got a Premier League team. They casually watched the Premier League, and they hear English people talk about MLS being bad and the U.S. is not good at soccer, and they don't want to sound not cool in front of the soccer people that they think are smart. They want to sound cool in front of their English friends and be like, oh, I don't, I don't watch that low level of soccer. But my thing is, you know what English people do? Is they go watch fourth division football over there. <laughs> and they don't sit in that stadium and go, ah, this isn't quite as good as the Premier League. I'm not enjoying this. No, it's they love the sport. And that's why I just... I cannot get over these people in my head. Like, come at me on Twitter if you exist. Like, I need to know what, what happened to these people, why, why they're this way. But it's just, it's an American team, and we're a scrappy underdog. I feel like that's something that Americans would love to see. I, I kind of love that about our team. 
So that's well, I, at twitter.com slash at that Cody, though. At that Cody, though. Get no, at me. Nate, I thought you made a great point. You know, I think a lot of American mm-hmm. fans dislike when we see a team sheet that has a lot of MLS-based players. Uh, but Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson have been killing it this qualification cycle. And they're yeah. both MLS-based players. And Miles Robinson might get a transfer to Europe eventually. Zimmerman's probably here for the long haul. But they're outplaying... European counterparts, and you know I love Eric Palmer Brown, but EPB is not on their level, even though he's based in France right now, right? I think, you know, um, you know our German players aren't outplaying our American center backs, and those guys have been holding down the back line, getting one nothing or you know one goal two or or, or clean sheet results, and I think that that says a lot. Yeah, John Brooks is lingering out there somewhere, but but oh. there's there's no big there's. There's no big the rush. name that gets me fired up more than any name. Poor Thad had to listen to me go on a rant uh, at, yeah. at training the other day about John Brooks. Why would anyone? And I hear some. I hear some guys that I really respect. I mean, I listen to the, you know, uh, Sirius XM satellite radio and guys that have played for the national team saying this. Why would anyone want to see John Brooks play for this team at this point? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Enough. Yeah. Have we not seen enough guy of uh, him just falling asleep? In, in the in the most crucial points in games, uh, switching off when the team can't afford it, uh, and having some just outright lack of effort performances out there, what, because he plays in Germany. That, I mean, that's because it. He's, because he's and, hey, look, he's tall, he's skilled on the ball, he's got physical attributes, fine, but what you do on the field matters, right? Like what you do for the team matters. And I just like, that's the biggest one to me right there is if that guy wasn't playing in Germany, tell me who would want to be, I mean, like, I just, <laughs> Nate is <laughs> exacerbated right now. He, this really got him fired up. No, it was, a, it was a great conversation the other day because he was fired up about Brooks. I was fired up about Tim Ream and we were both agreeing with each other for a change. <laughs> Tim Ream. What? That's another one. Oh yeah, I forgot about Tim Ream. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Walker Zimmerman just feels so American. Like that guy, the long hair, the beard. We need that guy on our team, and I'm I'm all behind Walker Zimmerman. And it's it's crazy because what was it? Just like a year ago, he wouldn't have been even close to that the top tier of this squad. I don't think it's it's literally been about a year that that it's like all turned around for this, him. This last summer, and uh, I forget whether it was Nations League or the Gold Last Cup, summer, for sure, yeah. Is when he really, I think, really, really just cemented his spot as being one of the top four that would be called in. Okay, so so I, I love the phrase you just used, and I would love to get your guys' opinion on this. He seems so American. <laughs> what <laughs> is... Don't turn this um, into a, a, like, a, yeah, not, not uh, yeah, okay, go ahead. Existential here. What What is American soccer? Um, because to me, like, and I study this, like I come at it from, from a guy who, who came into soccer play by play, you know, later in my career, I had spent 20 years almost doing traditional American sports. I just was a big soccer fan. And then I, you know, all of a sudden they asked me to do play by play. And I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot stupidly thinking, yeah, I can figure this out. But so I spent all this time trying to try to figure out like what our voice is supposed to be. And I watch English. I watched a ton of English. I was a Celtic fan. And so I, I watched a ton of Scottish soccer uh, and, and heard the way they called games. 
and English soccer in the way that, that they call games. Then you start watching, uh, you know, Mexican soccer and soccer in Latin America and the way that they do play by play. And they're very different, right? Like the, the, the English broadcasters are very understated. They, they use big words. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they're very eloquent with the way that they speak, but they don't get too excited. You know, they don't talk too much. They try to kind of ease back and let the game speak for itself. But the, this is the, America. <laughs> the Latin American broadcasters are very expressive and they talk staccato fast all the time. They have a certain way they're supposed to call goals. You know, they, they almost play their, their voice like a musical instrument through the course of the match. And that's the way they see it. So what is an American broadcaster uh, voice in soccer? What is an American soccer player? And I've had conversations with other broadcasters that are American about this. And my attitude, and I know I, I told you I want your opinions. I really do want your opinions on this. But, but to me, okay, so what are we? We're multicultural. We're incredibly diverse. The sensibilities of a person from Seattle versus a person from New Orleans are quite different. You know, the, 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 the racial and ethnic components of this country, the political components of this country, we are all over the map. And isn't that always the biggest strength of America? We're not all the same. Like not every broadcaster in this country should sound the same the way that it seems that kind of every broadcaster in England kind of sounds is supposed to sound the same. And um, so like, I love what you said, like Walker Zimmerman seems so American. He does, but doesn't Timothy Weah also? Oh yeah. Completely different way. And isn't that like, if we lean into that, no, this is us. We're not going to let anybody else define for us how we should see the sport, what we should call it. If we want to call it soccer instead of football, this is us, man. We're defiantly American and we're different from everybody else because we are so diverse and so uh, and so multicultural, multifaceted. Yeah, Does that makes Nate the only I'm sure time you guys all that. Yeah, the the only time I ever have called into a sports talk radio show and argued was with Doug Gottlieb, who was complaining about this very conversation during the last World Cup. It's, you know, don't, like, John Brooks is out there, German, and there's all, we have all these German guys, and he's like, don't we want guys who, who are, like, born here and all that? And I got on and just, like, ripped him for that. Like, this is what our country's about, you know, that, that whole thing. But, yes, when I say Walker Zimmerman feels American, does he have a Southern accent? It feels like he should have a Southern <laughs> accent. And it feels like he should have, like, he worked on a farm at one point in his life. That's, that's what I mean by he, he just feels American. Well, I think a lot of people in Europe for a long time had that image. Yes, Americans can defend in soccer. That's what they can do. They can't do anything else. You know, Tab Ramos, Landon Donovan, Demarcus Beasley, uh, Claudio Reina didn't change their mind. But I think that's still some people's perception. But I think what about this national team that I really like is we have a lot of players that are diverse in the way they play the game and the way that we can hit other teams with our attack and with our diversity and with our strength in the back. I think we... We cover a lot of that area. What do you think, Dad? Yeah, you, you, Walker Zimmerman is a American soccer player, but so is freaking Weston McKinney, man. McKinney. I like yeah. guys. Uh, Weston McKinney's very American. Yeah. Christian Pulisic, man. It, these are different guys from different places, but they all have one thing in common, which I think is the strength of America. Is we have a freaking chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. If we're not the best, we're going to go kick your ass at some point, okay? Christian Pulisic last night was the best guy on the field. 
not because he's plays at Chelsea or he's done this or done this. He was pissed off he didn't score in Mexico. That's why he was the best last night. He straight up mocked the referee. I at know. One point. He like carded the referee. <laughs> he ripped the banner out of his teammates' hands. I mean, he was ready to go fight guys who were twice his size. I mean, they probably would have actually physically kicked his ass. Well, I, I like very much that you've said this about that this team has a chip on its shoulder again because we lost that. That's like growing up. That's what the American team was for me. Was this we could play Brazil and they would probably beat us. But, like, the, the Yanks were going to give them a, a hard fight. It, it was gritty. They were going to run for 90 minutes. It was just a hard team to beat. And we lost that. I, you know, not it's not just to blame Jurgen Klinsmann, but over those Jurgen years, as more talent was coming in and a, a bigger pool of talent, we lost a little bit of that. And going back to, like, you know, Nate was talking about when, when people get upset at some, um, uh, some MLS players in the lineup, I, I was standing up screaming my head off when Ariola headed that ball in. Like, I just know so many people were pissed off. And also, we, to go back to that conversation at the beginning, I hate that about this, that the, the national team does good, and I immediately just go towards, screw all these people that I have seen yelling on Twitter. Why, I can't even enjoy this, because I'm just, I'm happy that all of these people are like eating their hats about hating on Ariola and this team. Uh, no. Of course, in fairness, we've been hating on John Brooks and Tim Ream, but um, right. <laughs> if, if they come into the team and they score a goal, screw them. They're my favorite player for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you, Cody. That brashness, almost sort of an ignorance, I think they even said Donovan and Beasley in 20, uh, 2002, they didn't know any better to not be afraid, just go out and play their game. And we did lose that. But here's the question that I have. Yeah, we turned it on last night in that game, but you can't turn that on and off like a switch. It's got to be there all the time. Can they do that in the World Cup? That's the question. Yeah. I I don't think I've seen a lack of effort from this team. Oh, I didn't say a lack of no. effort. It's a lack of you know, killer instinct, you know. But no, I, I know what you're saying, but I like I actually thought that was maybe the thing that encouraged me even more than what they I mean, look, we've seen We've seen American teams throttle Panama at home before, even in the last failed cycle. But they went down to they went down to the Azteca and drove that game mm-hmm. for most of the game until they decided in the last ten minutes, hey, we just we just need to see how to draw here. Yeah. But they they were the more dangerous team. They were on the front foot. Um, right. They didn't back down from anything in that game, and that was in the Azteca. And I understand. The Azteca is not exactly what it's been in the past. And I understand that Mexico is not exactly what they've been in the past, but, but there's, there is that, that spirit to this team. There is, there's an engine, uh, there's a feistiness, there's an effort level there. And, and, you know, to kind of go back to my point, like Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson come from different places. You know, Weston McKinney is a brash, young African-American from Texas. Christian Pulisic is a kid that grew up in Pennsylvania from the son of a, you know, of, of an Eastern European immigrant. Um, Tim Weah, you know, is a kid that grew up, you know, the son of, son of, a, of a former, you know, world player of the year uh, growing up in the United States. Like there, there's, there's, there's guys that are legacy kids like, like Gio Reyna now. I mean, they're, Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe's a kid that grew up on the border representing a huge portion of, of this country of, of Mexican Americans that, that deal with the, the whole, you know, the whole conflict of that. And, and, and then when you look at their skill set on the field, it's diverse and they bring different things to the table. And I, I do think I like that point that to me, the common thread right now 
They're not afraid. And they have some gumption to them. And, yeah, I, I think I, – we'll see, Bob. But I, I think I think they're going to show some things at this World Cup. You know, I really do. Maybe I'm just – maybe I'm just, uh, you know, red, white, and blue-colored glasses. But mm-hmm. I, I believe in this group. And I think that in five years, what you're going to have is those guys are going to have experience and there's going to be another wave of young players underneath them that will get to come shine without the pressure of having to carry the whole thing, which is what these kids are having to do right now. Yeah, because all that weight is on Pulisic right now. Nobody else. All of it's on Pulisic right now because McKinney's not there. Gio Reyna's just coming off of injury. It's all on Christian. That's He's carrying that weight. Everybody else is there. Don't get me wrong. They're all They're all quality players that deserve to be there, but all that weight is pretty much on Christian right now. But, yeah, in a couple of years – there is more waves coming, and that's been the beautiful thing is this last two years. You know, Burhalter, uh, Dave Sarishan before him, when he was just a caretaker, they were being criticized. Why are you calling these guys in? Why are you calling those guys in? And you know what? Some of them succeeded. Some of them didn't. But they the, the pool is huge right now of players that can come in and, and perform on this team. And that pool is just getting bigger and bigger every single day. I mean, we see kids – playing down at Swope Park that could be on the national team someday. I, the first time I saw Gio Reyna play was down at Swope Park. Uh, you know. First time I saw Jesus Ferreira play was down there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, there was, it, Dallas came in and kicked Sporting's Academy's ass, and but it was guys who were later on the national team. They deserved to do it. It's those players that we're watching now, you know, in MLS Next Pro and in, in the Academy, these are some of these kids that are that, – are growing up with the expectation to be good. Nate, another facet, you know, you know that media and stuff is driven by stories. These guys have stories, you know, you think that's a big factor as well? I mean, I I think that it only, it's only relevant if you win. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. As Patton famously said, America loves a winner. They won't tolerate a loser, you know? So, um, but yes, I think you get that thing on the world stage and they win a little bit. And when we saw what happened here in Kansas City with that 2014 World Cup team as they started to make a run and captivate uh, the imagination of not just Americans, but, but, uh, but around the world. But I think you're right. They're, 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 they have stories, and you know what else they have? They have personalities. Right. I mean, what any is a personality. Tyler Adams is a personality. And I think that, yeah, that's why, like, again, it matters so much because – those of us that are already in, we're we're following these kids, right? Like, you know, we all do it. I, I mean, I look, and I love now that I can get on my smart TV, and I know where the Serie A games are. I know where the Bundesliga games are. And as soon as I wake up on the weekends and get my coffee ready, it's like, okay, what, what Yanks are playing right now, yep. right? And we all follow them. We know what they're doing. But the average American doesn't really care yet. They're going to see all those stories at the World Cup. And that's why it's just so important for them to be there and put on a show because I'm with you. I think that when, when other, when, when casual Americans start to see these kids and see what they're all about, I personally believe they're going to buy in at a level that, that we haven't seen before. So I promise we will eventually get to sporting KC talk here, (laughs) but Nate, I did want to ask you just going back to a conversation you touched on earlier about American broadcasters. 
Uh, I'm curious as to who who you think is the best of us at the moment, who of our American accented broadcasters out there calling games. I, I mean, the easiest answer is John Strong. John Strong, till I die. I love John Strong. <laughs> 45. And, and 45 to go. <laughs> you know what? Um, this, this is a lesson in life for everybody out there. John Strong is nine years younger than me, and he is wow. a mentor to me. And I think that's the first time in my life where I've looked at somebody who's markedly younger than me as a mentor. Um, but I'm actually proud to say that, you know, because uh, really it doesn't matter how old you are. It, it's about your experience base and what you have to offer. I'm actually finding out that I learn stuff from my children all the time. As much as I try to teach them about things in life, my kids are teaching me about things that I don't understand all the time. Um, but John Strong got into soccer earlier than me. You know, I didn't transition over to soccer until 2015, and John was already doing that stuff at a very high level. And so when I got into soccer, um, I was looking for people to help give me some guidance um, on how to call games, but also how to navigate the landscape of, 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 of professional soccer in America and broadcasting. And he has been an absolute uh, – gentleman to me in that regard because sometimes you know people can look at you as like oh you might be competition for me down the road you know um and 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 i'm not i don't think he has anything to worry about <laughs> with me but but you know he but he's been he's he, every bit of advice john has ever given me has been on the on the nose like on the nose i've followed it and i've been glad every time and so from a personal standpoint, I just I want to put that out there that I think the guy is just uh, that's a good that's a good person, you know. But as a broadcaster, incredibly prepared, uh, incredibly enthusiastic, um, but not in I don't think in a fake way at all. And so to me, he's at the top of the list. But I do think there's a lot of guys in Major League Soccer that are that are you know, there are more there are more and more uh, American broadcasters coming. Um, and, and there are a lot of good ones in the league. I'm, I'm a Max Bratos fan. I like him. I like personality. Um, Jake Zivin, who's the play-by-play voice of the Portland Timbers. I think does a really, really good job. Um, so there's, there's a lot of guys out there. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of rattling off the top of my head right now. John, John Strong is 36 years old. You guys, (laughs) we could be listening to John Strong call soccer games for another 30 years of our lives, 40 years (laughs) of our lives. We could be hearing him call games. If I I can hear at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, one, uh, Nate, one, I think you left off there. One guy that I think is a rising star in the, in the game is, is Chris Whittingham. He does that, uh, podcast with Landon wall and witty. That if, if anyone yeah. listening to this, if you're into the yeah. national team at all, that is a must listen, uh, must listen podcast. There. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I really like him and I love that podcast. Yeah, I was watching that game. I was like, oh, I can't wait to listen to Landon Wall and Woody. <laughs> it's got it's got to be another one of the strengths of uh, just having so many teams and leagues out there now. Is I mean, there's got to be USL guys who are getting the experience of calling yeah. games and and learning, yeah. and you know that maybe they get bumped up at some point too. I'll tell you one that I'm I'm trying to to push in that direction is, is Allie Trost. Yes. Friend of the pod, Allie Trost. <laughs> I've always been a, as you guys know that I, I, you know, um, I, I convinced eight ten to hire her a couple of years ago. She's already, you know, moved on to sporting Kansas city, but doing stuff for the current. And at, at the time 
when the current was looking for play-by-play announcers, um, I, I was big on Allie Trost yeah. in there. Well, she hasn't done any play-by-play yet. I'm like, she'll learn it. Exactly. You know? That's what I was just yeah. about to say. She may not have done it yet, but Allie could, Allie could do it. Yeah, she'll it, figure it, it out. Having listened yeah. to those broadcasts, I mean, she's – She's had some rough, not perfect games being called, but she's improved every single game that she's done it. Yeah, you you, got to, like, it's just like anything. You got to be willing to give people a chance to grow. Yeah. And to me, it's about attitude. If if it's a person that cares and is going to put the work in, they'll get better, you know. There's nobody that works harder at this stuff than Allie. I mean, she wants to be good at everything. Yep, yep. All right, we can move on to Sporting KC here. I'm still I'm still messed up about John Strong being 36 <laughs> years old. If you told me he was 56, I would have believed you. That crazy. He, he looks yeah. older than me. <laughs> I'm uh, still mad at the Jurgen Klinsmann I'm, reference. I don't know if that's true, but I'll take <laughs> tell John Strong somebody told me that. Hold on. Just <laughs> just for Benny, Jürgen? just one time. Just no, no, no. For oh. Benny, one time. Fuck Jurgen. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We're good with that. Well, hey, you know, we're talking about commentators, and now we're going into sporting. I'm, I'm really pumped because the TUDN uh, commentators, uh, I didn't know this. Apparently, we have two new players, uh, Saloy and uh, Malia. Have you guys heard of these guys that, that played this past weekend? Yeah, that was uh, – people were immediately all over the TUDN announcers. Yeah. So let's start the conversation with – I want to talk about the curious case of Kyrie Shelton. Is where I'm beginning this. A lot of things we Uh-oh. can talk about from the game, but we always where it's the the ongoing striker talk here. We love a good striker talk. We love arguing about Kyrie Shelton and if he's good or if he's terrible or if the team is better with him. It's everyone in Sporting KC Nation loves talking about it. Uh, <laughs> and and so look look what happened again. Kyrie Shelton comes on and had some opportunities to score. Looked to pass first, but then we won the game somehow anyway. I don't know how this keeps happening, but hey, Kyrie's on the field and we win. Right, Thad. You know, if something happens consistently, go with it, man. <laughs> I, I like Kyrie. I know what he brings to the team. I know he's not the prolific scorer that fans want all the time, but team does play well usually when he's out there. So they weren't playing well before then? I didn't say they weren't. Okay. Well, I do. I want to hear. I want to hear what Nate has to say about that because. Just uh, you know, we're on the topic of strikers here. What have you? What do you think of Voinovich's first three matches, two and a half matches? I don't think we really see anything, um, and I don't blame him for that because he was thrown into a, a an almost impossible situation. Um, th- and I think you know, look, we need to we need to put into context. This is not a designated player that Sporting has brought in here, right? This was a situation where they got put in a bad spot. The situation with Alan Polito, uh, roster limitations, because it's not like they get that designated player roster spot back when Polito gets hurt. So on a limited budget and at the last minute almost, they got to go out and try to find somebody to, to, to play that position. So right there, we're not talking about a guy that's, He's having a decent season, and you can't believe who they just got. This guy should come score 20 goals in Major League Soccer, okay? So I think you have to have decent – you have to have reasonable expectations of what – Peter Vermees said, we're looking for a backup to Kyrie Shelton. That's what he said when they brought him in. And people can be mad about that, but Mm -hmm. that's the reality of the situation in terms of what is available and what mechanisms they have in a salary cap-driven league to try to go address the situation. Um, 
Second of all, he gets brought in after having to sit out a month while his visa clears. He's allowed to train with his team in Serbia, but not really play games. So he's not match fit. Uh, you guys know as well as anybody that Sporting Kansas City is a very system-oriented team. And so we all know the st- I mean, look at Remy Voltaire at the beginning of last year and then at halfway through last year and how different of a player he was once he got his feet underneath him and understood the system and the expectations and all those things. And we started pronouncing this- his name properly. And, and, and some of us learning <laughs> that it's actually Voltaire, you know, anyway. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, so this, this, this Voinovich has to come in zero. He had two training sessions under his belt and go play 90 minutes at altitude in Colorado with a brand new team and a brand new system. Um, when he wasn't even really supposed to be the starter here. Right. So when you put all that into context, I don't, I didn't really have any expectations for what he's going to do. And I don't have any for a while. Um, and so he kind of met those expectations. I, I haven't seen much from him. Um, and I don't mean that. That's not a criticism at all. That's just kind of, to me, the reality of the situation for all the reasons that I just laid out. When it comes to Kyrie Shelton, I have strong opinions, if you want to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> we well, think it, we know, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that is what we have you on here for. Um, if Sporting Kansas City is going to do anything this year, they need Kyrie Shelton desperately. Agreed. And to the question uh, that was asked, were they not playing well before he came on the field? Yes, they were. But but I defy anybody to tell me that the level of play on the field did not go up a notch when Kyrie Shelton came onto the field. Kyrie doesn't score goals. And that is frustrating, right? <laughs> it's frustrating because he's a number nine. And that's a huge part of that job. Um. But I will tell you guys a little anecdote. <laughs> uh, last, I think it was it was the, it was the last World Cup. Yes, uh, when France won, we did a player pool draft at Sporting Kansas City with some of the people that work in the office. And you froze up there, Nate. Dang, we lost him again. I guess we have lost Nate. Oh, He's hey. back. Did I lose <laughs> you guys? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we got you back. We got you back. We lost you at lost you. they had a pool. Uh, player uh, draft or whatever. Yeah, the pool. So, did you guys get the part about how I finished dead last in the player pool? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Now, now's the time the to go back and say that you won. Yeah. <laughs> I finished dead last, and I had the starting number nine for the World Cup champion France, who did not score a goal the entire competition. Uh-huh. I had the starting number nine for Brazil, who I think made the semis, if not the quarterfinals. Gabriel Jesus didn't score the whole competition. They made a deep run starting number nine for Belgium. And uh, I believe that was Lukaku. I mean, my, my, uh, yeah. my memory fit a little bit. And he, I don't know if he, he might've scored one or two goals the whole competition. And they all made deep runs. And I'm not suggesting that it's, it's, it's not important for a number nine to score. But I am suggesting that it's been proven that you can win at a high level without a lot of goals coming from your number nine. It's not how you draw it up. You pay Alan Polito all that money because he does all the things that Kyrie Shelton does and he scores. Right. Right. That's why he's a designated player. That's why he's the most expensive player in franchise history. He's not available. They can't just go magically buy another one of them. 
But what Kyrie Shelton does for the team, does it drive me nuts when he doesn't shoot sometimes when he should? Yes. Like I, and it's almost like, bro, you're too nice of a guy. Like I <laughs> wish you a little more of a, of an a-hole, you know, and just got a little selfish every once in a while and maybe someday, but probably not. I mean, he's just not, it's, it, if he hasn't scored a ton of goals at this point in his career, it's probably not. This team plays differently when Kyrie Shelton's on the field. He covers so much ground. He always makes runs. He's always available as an option for his teammates to play to. He wears center backs down by his size and strength and relentlessness. There's a reason that Shallowy and Russell score all the time when he plays. And so I don't know what this team is capable of this year, but I, I will tell you, Whatever that is, whatever that ceiling is, it's with Kyrie Shelton on the field. If Alan Polito can magically come back from his injury, things change. That's not probably likely to happen. This team's record when Kyrie Shelton plays is not some random act, act of, of coincidence. There, there are things he brings to the table for this team that help them win games. We are going to get so many comments on this. <laughs> Dang it. Take a picture of that face right there. He looks so happy. That's a nice smile. Ah, <laughs> uh, Nate, we lost you again, man. Well, one thing I noticed, I mean, the, the level of physicality increased as soon as Kyrie came on. You know, I whatever you want to call it, whether it's a lack of skill or that he's just off the pace because he's just coming back to fitness. Mm-hmm. His passing wasn't as maybe what I was looking for, not as good as normal, but his physicality was noticeable that he came on and he's running hard. He's pressing hard. Yeah. You know, he's holding guys off and doing all that hard, like hold up play that you want from a traditional number nine. And it, I mean, he's just noticeably more physical than Voinovich. Sure. Um, but I think it's good to have two different guys with very, very different skill sets. Yep. You know, I don't know that we'd be better off having a second super physical number nine. Uh, but the idea that Nate was talking about, about, Kyrie being able to wear somebody down. And again, you know, we have this conversation with Cam Duke. Is it better to have him start and just run at people for 60 minutes and then sub somebody else on? Or do you want to bring him on to run at tired legs? But either way, it's an effective way to play the game. So Thad, you said there's going to be a lot of comments. Am I going to get a lot of hate for this? People going to come after me? (laughs) Oh yeah. but It doesn't really matter. If you want to leave mean comments for Nate, it is at that Cody though. (laughs) Uh, One of the segments we've been doing on this pod for this year is David's been reading like Calderon Facebook comments in a dramatic voice. So this probably should get one of those at least. (laughs) So Nate, we, uh, we won't keep you too long here, but, but while we have you and you're, you're free of the shackles from robo, you're not on the broadcast right now. This is the blue Testament. You're not on a sporting KC broadcast here. I want to hear what what upsets you about this team. Give me come come hard. What what annoys <laughs> you about this organization? This team that's not doing something right. Come on, get angry here. You're free. Let's and it hear, can't let's, be about your salary. Let's get unfiltered, <laughs> Nate, on this team. Paid <laughs> twice as much right now. Um, I will tell you this. Look, you, I you always are representing the club and I've learned that the hard way with some stupid things I've done over the years. So, um, so, um, uh, honestly, 
Boy, I, this is going to really make everybody mad. <laughs> Dude, I love this organization with all my heart. Um, as a as a Kansas Cityan, um, as a person who it just, I think all of us that are from this town are the same. I, I my heart swells with KC pride to the point where my friends that live in other cities, you know, open openly mock me for it. Sporting uh, <laughs> Kansas City is at the top of the list of the things I'm most proud about when it comes to being from Kansas City. So, I mean. Honestly, like I, I, I can hear the the Facebook comments, you know, going now. <laughs> uh, corporate chill, selling out for the team and everything. I, and and the thing is, I I'll say this too, guys. Like when when you're and and Fat Fat, I think could probably identify with this as much as anybody. When you're around the building, and you see how much it all means to like literally every person in that organization. It's hard for me to ever be mad at the organization when something goes wrong. I feel heartbroken. Mm -hmm. That game last year against Real Salt Lake in the playoffs was the most heartbreaking game in my life as a sporting Kansas City fan because we blew it. You know what I mean? Like, it was there. And I think every person would tell you, we as an organization had it in front of us and we blew it. And that hurts because, it, like, and I'm, I just, I, this isn't the answer that you wanted, but it's just the answer I can give you. No, this is exactly what I wanted. I didn't expect you to start actually trashing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to me, it, like you could say it starts with Peter because Peter's like, you know, he's the, the, the face of the franchise. He's the one that runs everything, but it starts with the ownership, you know, like the, the Illig family, like when you're around Cliff Illig, you just, you like, you, you find this common thread kind of go back to what we were talking about with the American national team. And I look around at all the people that, that I meet that work for the Illigs in different capacities and they're all like these vastly different human beings, you know, they come from all these different backgrounds. They do different things for the illigs. And the thing like the thing that I, that I, that draws that like, that's like just across the board is they all take an insane amount of pride in what they do, whatever that job is they have. Um, and, and like you guys see, I mean, you know how much pride Peter Ramiz takes in that job, right? Like he's not doing that job because of the paycheck or because he wants anybody else to take, you know, to, to tell him he's doing a good job. He takes an insane amount of pride in what he's doing. And I would tell you like Kitman, <laughs> you know, like you guys know who Kitman mm -hmm. is. Yep. That dude's proud of the job he does. That means something to him. And if something goes wrong, he wears that personally. I feel that way as a broadcaster. Like, I want to be the best play-by-play -play guy. I hope that somebody's doing a podcast somewhere else asking an American guy, who do you think the best play-by-play -play guys in American <laughs> soccer are? And I hope somebody says Nate Buchady. Maybe they won't, but that's that's how much the job matters to me. Like, it matters so much to me. And and so when, when you're around those people and then, like, they fail or we fail, I, like, it's – 
and I get it. Like when you're a fan, you buy a ticket, you feel like everybody let you down. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I've, I've, I've been that way as, you know, as a fan. Um, but when you, when you work with those guys, you just, you know how bad they hurt because of how much it means to them. Does that make sense? And so like, and, and, and I just don't, I've been a part of other organizations that are dysfunctional, that have people that are cancerous and, and argue about who's getting more credit and, um, and, and are in it for the wrong reasons and stuff. And I'm just, I don't see it in this club. Is it perfect? Of course not. Like, you know, we don't win every year um, in terms of winning trophies every year, but we win a lot. And, um, yeah. and so that's my, that's a longer answer than you wanted. And it didn't really, I didn't give you anything, but that's how I feel. I'm going to, I'm going to back you up a little bit there, Nate. Cause one of the things that really will piss me off when I see a comment if somebody wants to say this player sucked today or something, I don't care. That's that's their opinion. That's fine. But the one thing that really will piss me off sometimes is when I see somebody say that the team doesn't care or sporting doesn't care or they're just in it for the money. You know, the owners are only trying to make money. Like, are you freaking crazy? You know, like, they're not trying to win. What Are you stupid? This They are. It matters to them. Everybody in that organization wants to win and wants to be better. They screw it up often enough. That's true. I mean, they don't win, but it's not because they're not trying. It's not because they're not trying to be the best. It's so that that was. I'm just kind of tagging on with what you said there. Yeah. What about city should have ever made us the soccer town that we are? Yeah. Yeah. What 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 are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, why do we have the best facilities in the country? You know, why do we have trophies? in a small market where the league didn't even want us to be here. You know what I mean? Like the league, if the league had their way, we'd be in Rochester right now. Yep. You know? Yeah. yeah, Nate, I I, honestly, I only asked you that question just because we, we all feel that exact same way. And we get kind of accused of, of uh, being a bit of an echo chamber for this team as well. And is like, we're all just genuine fans of this team and it, and it is hard to, you know, like, like you were saying, when you're kind of involved in the team and you see Peter Vermees working, it's just how like when and then I see some dumbass on Twitter like like try to say that something Peter Vermees did was stupid or what is what is he doing what was he thinking and it's he's thinking way more than you are about <laughs> soccer that's that's what it is. Can I can I say something honestly? I mean this. Um, I'm not calling anybody a dumbass. I am. We I just did. I definitely just did. And, and I res- and hey, I respect that. <laughs> You're not going to come up and slap Cody, are you? <laughs> I, I, I think it's fantastic that we have a fan base that are passionate and that cares yes. and that feel uh, frustrated and angry when the team doesn't um, doesn't perform at the, the level that we all want it to. And, and, and do fans um, go overboard with those things? Of course, every fan base everywhere, that happens. Is, does, does, like, are there complaints about maybe decision-making that Peter Vermees makes during a game that are valid? Of course there are, because there is, I've yet to come across a perfect coach <laughs> in my life. I, and I've been around some incredible coaches. I've been around Dick Vermeil. I've had, and I'm, I, I'm saying this not to brag, but to say, I can't believe how lucky I am to get to share company and have a meal with Dick Vermeil and listen to him talk about the things that he thinks that matters. Andy Reid, Bill Self, um, you know, like go down he's, the he's list. name dropping. Ned Yost was a World Series champion coach, whether people liked him or not. 
You know, like these people have achieved at incredibly high levels. And I've, and I've spent 20 years of my life listening to all of them. And none of them are perfect. They all have their flaws. You know, they all have their blind spots. They all have things. They're so committed in one area that maybe they, they lack in another. That's across the board. There is, I have not seen the perfect coach yet in my life. But I will tell you this. I personally have never seen a better coach in any walk of life than Peter Vermees. I have. I've, I've seen. I, it, does that mean that some of the criticisms about him are completely wrong, or that you're a dumbass for criticizing this thing or that thing? What's the one that everybody? I, I hear it all the time from people. He doesn't sub enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He doesn't sub enough. Maybe you're right. I'm not going to call you a dumbass for saying that. Whatever. I'm sure. I mean, I've I've heard other coaches suggest it. Whatever. But here's the thing. You're, you're picking you're picking one thing here mm-hmm. that you might or might be right or wrong about, but also that none of us know the full story, right? Because none of us know everything that's happening in training and what's going on behind the scenes and all that stuff. The other thing is when you focus on that one thing, are you forgetting the other 100 things that matter so much more? The culture that is set on that team is a constant endeavor. You know, there's a guy that's listed on the uh, availability report that's on this team right now that's never going to play for this team again. And we saw what happened in Atlanta in that game that caused that to happen. Yep. Because you can't play for this team if you don't give it everything you have. That's not the case with every single team in this league, right? You guys see there's players that, that can get on the team and can float around because they've got some incredible skill and have some time to play, and, and the coaches will kind of put up with a little bit less than their best because they got something. You can't play for this team if you do that, but that's a constant endeavor, right? Like that, they, that's, that's, that's week after week, year after year of a guy pressuring, you know, to, to make those things happen, and that's just one of the things that, that, that he does. I'm sounding like a, a, a PR representative now. But I believe <laughs> hey, it's passion. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, Nate, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I think it sounds like we, I didn't even actually get to talk enough about like actual individual national team players in the squad. So maybe after the, maybe after we qualify, we'll, we'll have you back on. And after, after yeah. KU wins the final four also, we can, we can have well, you back so, on. Well, so this is, this is the, the only real question I have for Nate. Yes. The only, this is important. Here. I've been waiting to ask you this, since you since you logged onto the Zoom, fifty seven minutes and twenty two seconds. KU <laughs> tips off at five oh nine p.m. Yeah, and I know you're a proud Jayhawk. KU tips off at five oh nine in the final four. I'll sporting Sporting kicks off at seven. Let's say KU goes to overtime. Is Jake doing this broadcast by himself? <laughs> <laughs> Is Jake capable of beginning the broadcast? Oh, have have Ali come in. We were just talking about Ali can sub in real quick. Um. You know, <laughs> KU played in the Final Four against Villanova. Uh, last last time they played in the Final Four against Villanova, Sporting played at the exact same time. I remember it. And um, our producer, Brad Mertel, is a Jayhawk as well. And um, he he had an eye on it in the TV truck and was, was given – gave me a couple updates – and I told him, I, I, this is God's honest truth. I said, 
don't don't talk to me about that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I want to focus on this game right now. You know, like I this I need to be present in this moment. This is my job. <laughs> you know, I'm getting paid to be here right now. And honestly, like I love Kansas. I'm a fourth generation Jayhawk. I don't apologize for that part of it. I, I love being a Jayhawk and everything. But dude, if you <laughs> the sporting game is more important to me. That's what I like to hear. It just is. I mean, hey, am I fired up? Do I hope Kansas wins and plays in the national championship game? And if they do, I'm gonna throw a big old party at my house on Monday with my family and smoke some ribs for them and all that. But on Saturday night, there. yeah, we'll be there. Uh, <laughs> As soon as as soon as we hit the air, that's 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 much more important to me than whatever happens in New Orleans. He is a true professional, gentlemen. He's a true professional. Yeah, but it's more than that, guys. I told you earlier. Um, I, I once you once you become connected to all the guys in the club, mm-hmm. and they they mean something more to you than just like you know work work friends and stuff like that. Do those those guys like I, I I care deeply about their success in life, you know? I, I that's so that that's why it matters. So, I mean, all those Jayhawks. I don't know any of those guys. I've met Ochai a few times. I'm sure, and I love him. I root for him, but I don't I don't I don't know him and his family the way I know Kitman and his family or or Carrie Zavagnan and his family and all all the guys. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Well, so, personally, Nate, for me, I you know we were talking about broadcasters from from other teams here and you know they they could have they could have gone with an eloquently tongued british person and that wouldn't be passionate about the team or the city but you you know you're one of us i i'm i might be david i think is a kansas city and i'm talking to two st louis people over here but you're one of us i've lived here longer than i lived there come on and that is that is one reason i you know and and just hearing you talk about this the passion the way you care about the team and that all comes through in the broadcast and and i do love having one of us and just hanging out with a former player on the broadcast i think i think we have a i do i I love our our niche little broadcast cody wants to know if you're available friday night To uh to, to do what play some over thirty league or what? <laughs> yeah, what what was on what was Friday night? I don't I, I, I don't know. I'm, have a beer together? I don't know. Hang out? I don't know. Just because I was gushing over. <laughs> to, Cody and I are going to his place on Monday to watch the national title game. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. I, I invited myself. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Nate. We do love having you. You're one of us, and I like having that representation. So so keep up the good work. Well, I really appreciate what you guys do. You know, I, I really do, and thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Sorry if I if I talk too much. It's kind of a it's kind of a vice I have. No, you've been amazing, Nate. Appreciate that is, it. That is literally your job is to get you get paid to talk. So no worries. All different players on the national team next time. Yes, yes, <laughs> we have a lot to get to, and we only we, we went a whole hour, and we still yeah. didn't even touch on nearly what we should have. Yeah, so. I definitely had a couple of national team questions I wanted to ask you, but we will we will hold that till uh, after after we qualify, and we can have a little celebration along with it. There you go. Let's let's we'll, we'll, once we get the draw, you know, we'll talk about it. There you go. There you go. Right <laughs> on, right. Nate. Well, thanks for joining, man, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, man. Cheers. Yeah.
Yeah.